What's, What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. I am Toshiba Oliver, one of your hosts. And I'm Leah Ross, your other host. Living as an urban Christian woman is an amazing gift and an incredible responsibility. We need God's truth to shape and transform us. The Urban Christian Woman is a space to help us grow in faith and steward who we are and the cultural context in which we live. On this podcast, we will excavate God's word and have great conversation about books of the Bible, discuss things happening in culture along with its challenges and how the Bible responds, and hear from and be encouraged by women living faithfully in everyday spaces for the glory of God. So listen, wherever you are, know that in this space, come on in because the water is fine and be equipped for everyday life through the Urban Christian Woman podcast. Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. Hey, ladies, welcome back. What's up? Welcome back. We are so grateful for you being here and joining us through our series, Ways of the Kingdom, with the book Mm -hmm. of Luke, in the book of Luke. In the book of Luke. Yeah, so we are in Luke 19 and 20, and we are going to dig right in and talk about ways of the kingdom. And so our, our key takeaway for Luke 19 and 20 is the way of the kingdom is the faithful servant willing to leverage what they have for the kingdom of Jesus. Mm -hmm. The way of the kingdom is the faithful servant willing to leverage what they have for the kingdom of Jesus. So in chapters 19 and 20, we're going to see what Jesus has to say to us about uh, us being faithful servants who are leveraging what we have. Leah, let's just jump right in. And who are these key players? Yes, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So key players we got here in um, chapter 19, we have Jesus, Zacchaeus. We see the crowd, the noblemen, three servants, Pharisees, disciples, the chief priests, the scribes, and these uh, principal men. And then in chapter 20, we have Jesus, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees show up on the scene for the first time, Uh-oh. the disciples and mm-hmm. the crowds um, and people, and then this reference to Caesar as well. And so this is all unfolding when um, when Jesus has completed his journey to Jerusalem. So we're only a short time away from mm-hmm. the suffering and the crucifixion yep. and this uh, passion moment, mm-hmm. and um, we're headed towards that. And Jesus is headed through Jericho on his arrival to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And then chapter 20 we see actually takes place in and around the temple of Jerusalem. So he's dealing in the temple, teaching teaching in the temple, and then dealing with the leaders of the temple Mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, then for our why, like why is this taking place? Well, listen, right now there is this heightened level of sort of dealing with the Jewish people, the people of Israel, the religious, particularly the religious leaders who would have known about a coming Messiah and yet deny that Mm. Jesus is he. And so Jesus makes it a priority to reveal this ordering of his kingdom. And then um, in light of, you know, his ministry to really lay bare the hearts of these accusers that are kind of rolling up on him and trying to, trying to um, stop what's happening. So he deals with them in the order of his ministry is really just to continue to proclaim the truth, to proclaim who he is and what he's going to do, and then also to deal with their hearts as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cool. so then, yeah, so what are our, we got our themes for 19 uh, mm-hmm. and our themes for 20. Why don't you just uh, lay those on us here, Tashiva? Yeah, in chapter 19, we're going to see um, this theme of seeing Jesus serving Jesus, supporting Jesus, and stealing from Jesus. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we're going to see all that flush out in chapter 19. And then chapter 20, we're going to see warnings, 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 mm-hmm. and Jesus dealing with the hostile and skeptical hearts of the religious elite. Mm-hmm. Have mercy. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus pointing all to the authority of God over what is his. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see those themes in these two chapters. And then we're going to see um, some repeated words. Talk mm-hmm. to us about these repeated words, mm-hmm. Leah. Yeah, we see him, Jesus speaking of the authority, um, him teaching, 
and the reference to uh, his teaching. His, yeah. He has a teacher, uh, this question and answer. And I mean, what I love about uh, particularly just the way that 20 unfolds, it's this skillful debate between mm. the teacher and the students, uh, um, the reluctant and mm-hmm. the, the the Messiah. Yeah. And there's just real powerful dynamic uh, debate there between these questions and answer uh, mm. dynamics exchanges. Okay. And then uh, we see him talking to the people. We see this, this theme of seeing and seek uh, the house, this the salvation, and Jesus is coming to save. We mm-hmm. see this reference to the kingdom several times, and this reference to servants several times, mm-hmm. and then the business, the business of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, yeah, those are the repeated words that are going to really uh, give us a uh, really tip us off to what the themes are. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then we have our key verse for nineteen. Yeah, girl, I only mm-hmm. have one verse, one verse for chapter nineteen. Which you better than. No, <laughs> nah, 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 not at all, not yes. at all. You I are, could be on tangents. You are just skillful at selecting one verse. Drop this key verse on us. Key verse, uh, Luke 19 and 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Mm-hmm. So we're, this whole verse just talks about the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus. So we're going to, we're going to see how this is going to all flush out, mm-hmm. like how he does this. And so, Yeah. Luke nineteen ten. Okay. Talk to us about okay. chapter twenty. I think I can do it. I think I can just pick one verse. Oh, you are. It's hard. Come on, give it to us. I can grow. You can grow. I'm a growing person. Let me let me see what you you key you verse now. Key verse for chapter twenty. What you got? is uh, verse seventeen. But he uh-huh. looked directly at them and said, mm. "What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone." And so we see that central mm. to Jesus' ministry, central yeah. to the prophecies being fulfilled, is this rejection and suffering on our behalf. And mm. we know that just as the prophecies uh, foretold, he would be rejected by those who are his own. Yep. And so, yeah, right there we That's... see that literally fleshing itself out in 20 um, at just a very high level. Yep. So mm-hmm. look at that. Look at that. Look I'm at that. so proud of you, girl. Look at you. I'm a growing woman. I know. I know, <laughs> right? I know, right? The key verses are always one of those hard things because it's it's like, I man, know. but this is a key part. Like, I know. So I get it. Yeah. All right. So let's let's jump right in. We're jumping into mm-hmm. chapter 19. And I want us to keep in mind that in what we're going to see in chapter 19 is in chapter 18, Jesus making known the differences. We're going to see sort of this coming to almost like a resurfacing mm-hmm. in practicality of Jesus making known the differences of righteousness and unrighteousness mm-hmm. and what it means to be righteous and unrighteous. So as we move into 19, we're going to see Jesus engage with those who see Jesus, who serve Jesus, who support Jesus, and those who steal from Jesus. Mm. So let's dig in. Mm -hmm. All right. We are right at the top of chapter 19. And in verses 1 through 10, we have this narrative of uh, uh, Zacchaeus. And Jesus has this holy orchestrated moment with a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was a, and a wee little man was he, okay? Um, and so Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, but what it also tells us is that he was rich. Mm-hmm. So he is the OG of the toll people, and he had money on money mm-hmm. and money and- Stacks on stacks on stacks. Stacks on stacks, racks on racks, okay? So Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, though. Even though he had all of this, uh, all these, this wealth, this riches, mm-hmm. status, mm-hmm. and power, mm-hmm. and wealth. Here we go, mm-hmm. okay? Power and wealth. Remember the rich ruler in mm-hmm. 18, right? Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Yeah. But he couldn't because of the the crowd. So when you are longing to see, you will make every effort. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what he did. So he climbs up into this tree. And Jesus, what does he do? He calls him by his name. name. Yeah, I love that because we've seen that throughout Luke. When the the person that he's speaking to is addressed by name or when the parable highlights someone's name, it's like this importance like, Watch mm-hmm, this. Something mm-hmm. transformative is about to happen here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what he does. It's that intimacy, right? So Jesus calls him intimately mm-hmm. by his name. 
And he's never met Zacchaeus, but he calls him by his name and he asks him to come into his home and says, I must, Mm -hmm. I must stay at your house. Mm -hmm. And so Zacchaeus receives this invitation joyfully to be seen and known by Jesus, right? That that Jesus says, hurry and come down. Like, don't wait. Don't, don't, and he ran, honey. And he hurried and came down. He did. He did. He came just the way Jesus called him. That's right. So there were, in the midst of Zacchaeus and Jesus having this dialogue, there are crowds of folks there. You've got the people, you've got the Pharisees, you've got the disciples and other individuals in the crowds, right? Mm -hmm. And they are a bit confused, right? Because teachers at this time don't go into the houses of sinners, Mm -hmm. okay? The Pharisees, they don't hang with the common folk, Mm -hmm. nor do they hang with the unclean and the mm-hmm. immoral. Mm-hmm. So this signals some alarms um, of him being a different type of teacher. Yeah. And so there is a key word that reveals how they really felt when they took it all in, which was the crowd grumbled in verse 7. It says, mm-hmm. and when they saw it, they yeah. all grumbled. And they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Say, what? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so this points us back to this previous chapter, Leah. You and I were talking about this oh, of man. this context of like, yo, who's righteous yeah. and who's not, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, what's wild is it that as I was reading this, I'm like, this story sounds familiar. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait Didn't a minute. we already just deal with the rich man? Yep. In the, in the very last chapter, mm-hmm. we dealt with the rich young ruler. And then it's wild how contrasted these two stories are mm-hmm. of the rich young ruler when Jesus said, sell everything you have and come follow me. Mm-hmm. He was like, too tall order. Mm-hmm. See you later. Mm-hmm. He went away discreet. He could not do it. Yeah, he was and sad. here's Zacchaeus, who's mm-hmm. also a rich, mm-hmm. short ruler. Mm-hmm. You got to stay that. You got to keep that we in there. Go that ahead. We little man. That we little man. We little rich man. Jesus doesn't even have to tell him, right? He's mm-hmm. just compelled by the teachings of of this man, mm-hmm. this this man who says he's the son of God, and Zacchaeus joyfully mm-hmm. set offers up as a, yeah. as a compulsory response. Yeah. I hear you, Jesus, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to sell half of what I have and give it to the poor. Yeah. And on top of that, yep. that other half that I got left, if I defrauded anyone, yep. I'm going to repay them fourfold. So by the time he does all of that with his wealth, Mm -hmm. I imagine he doesn't have much left. Yeah, yeah. And so that's exactly where we're going. Zacchaeus doesn't let anything hinder his engagement with Mm -hmm. Jesus. He has been known by Jesus, and it leads him to confession and and exposing all that he is. And so Zacchaeus is going to reflect. He's going to reveal who has been on the throne of his heart, which Mm -hmm. was his money. But after this um, engagement and encounter and this this intimacy with Christ, right? There is this exchange, the great exchange that happens, and Christ alone becomes on the, he comes to be on the throne of his heart. So his repentance leads to repair. Yeah. And it leads to restoration. Come on. His God of wealth has now been exchanged for the one true God, Mm -hmm. and it brings salvation. This is the first time in the book of Luke that we see this word salvation. salvation. It has not been mentioned prior. And so what is salvation? Salvation in its definition term is deliverance from danger, suffering, uh, protection. So Jesus has given and made this available to Zacchaeus by faith. Mm -hmm. By faith, Zacchaeus receives it, right? Because Jesus has not gone to the cross yet. Mm So we don't, we don't, the, the addition of salvation through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ has not been done, Mm -hmm. but because Jesus is speaking these words Mm -hmm. and giving the invitation, he himself, right, Zacchaeus is able to receive and believe by faith. Yeah. Which is why he, right, which is why he calls him a son of Abraham. What does that mean? He Mm -hmm. means sons of faith. Right, right, right. Which echoes... Right. Leah knows it. I still had to pull my paper, which Mm -hmm. echoes the key verse for our entire series, Luke 4, 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good Mm -hmm. news to the poor. He has sent me to 
proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Y'all, Zacchaeus Uh was oppressed. He was oppressed. He was oppressed. By a love of money. Come on. Mm -hmm. In his whole being. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. And probably a love of power too. Come on. Come on. That's facts. and he was set free, and he and was I set love free. that he says Jesus says salvation has come to this house to this house. Jesus came to the house. That's it. And when he spoke, salvation came to the house because yep. Jesus was in that space. Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus heard mm-hmm. and was able to respond mm-hmm. in a response of faith mm-hmm. to uh, yeah to what Jesus said to the yeah. truth of Christ. Yeah. And so there's this key verse that then comes on the scene, right? Where Jesus's mission becomes very clear from his mouth, mm-hmm. not just to Zacchaeus, but to everyone, which is for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Jesus engages with Zacchaeus who sees him. And then we move to this parable with this crowd around mm-hmm. Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus has just proclaimed, listen, here is what I've come to do. Mm-hmm. I've come to seek and to save the lost. So he, Jesus engages the conversation of what it means not only for, for us to see Jesus, mm-hmm. but now he moves forward to what it means to serve in his kingdom mm-hmm. by telling this parable. So we come into a parable. Y'all know we love the parables. The parable of the 10 minas and the crowd had heard Mm -hmm. what had happened to Zacchaeus. And so we have, we already know their heart posture, right? Mm -hmm. They are not in this place of joy for Zacchaeus. They are actually grumbling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because there was this expectation, number one, for teachers to not be amongst the people. But on top of that, there is grumbling because there is this expectation as it says in verse 11, for the kingdom to come, the kingdom of God to come immediately. People, and, and yeah. you know, if you're not if you're not familiar with the story of the Bible around Jesus's crucifixion, this is a huge part yeah. that people were expecting Jesus yeah. to come and free them from mm-hmm. Roman oppression in bet, real time immediately. I'm like, even in my imagination, I can picture those who have faithfully followed Jesus up into this point and yet still think that when Jesus actually enters into Jerusalem, mm-hmm. he's about to grab the scepter, yeah. grab the crown, mm-hmm. and, and turn the whole thing over yeah. and seat himself. Yeah. The, yeah, they were thinking, and this is what, you know... When they're I was, thinking they're on their way to a revolution. Yeah, yeah, and this is what's so crazy too, right? It, it, and I feel like... There's a little bit of that, mm-hmm. like in what we're experiencing in our culture today, mm-hmm. right? And so they're they're Ooh. thinking political, like, oh, we're gonna receive this. They're thinking they're going to 1776. This is our 1776. Jesus, let's do this. And they didn't know it. And and Jesus was like, oh, I have not come here for Ooh, the political, yeah. the political uh, redemption. I'm not coming for that. I'm mm-hmm. coming for the redemption of mm-hmm. mankind. Mm-hmm. And so it's whew, it's yeah. a whole vibe. He's like, don't you cannot limit to a system, mm-hmm. one system. Yeah. Oh, the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. We'll see that come up again as a theme in 20. And so then it's just like, this is, yeah, y'all, mm-hmm. y'all your thinking is almost too small, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Small. That's what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, man, they're thinking too small. Yeah. That's a, that's a word for right now. Yeah, girl, you, I don't, I know. You, girl. Go ahead, go ahead. It's like you want you want actually this this great this great kingdom for yourself and this great sort of society Mm -hmm. and culture, but you're thinking too small. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna come through the politicians. It's not gonna come through your religious freedom. Yeah. Come on now. Woo, bars. You're thinking too small. Mm-hmm. And not to say that those things aren't good, that mm-hmm. we can act, we can we can serve and be a part of in good ways they're for good. the kingdom of right. God. They're good, but they're not the goal. Come on. Okay? Come on. They're not the goal. They're good. Say but it one more time. They're not the goal. Ooh, that's a whole thing right there. So anyway, let's move forward. Give it back. <laughs> Go ahead. Jesus engages this conversation, right, of mm-hmm. what it means to serve in his kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking about the goal through this parable. And so we have the nobleman, and I'm just sort of going to work through this under the, under the parable of 
who the down. key players yeah, are, right? This parable. So we have this nobleman who who signifies Jesus, these servants who signify those who follow Jesus's teachings. Then we have these citizens slash sort of they, but they're really enemies, signifying those who hate Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have this mina, which is a representation of a person's whole life. Mm-hmm. So th- this nobleman, being Jesus, goes to a faraway country to receive for himself the kingdom and is going to return, right? Uh, note that there's no time attached, by the way. So many believe, Ooh, yeah. yeah, so many believe that this actual parable is speaking of Jesus's second coming, mm-hmm. Christ coming back a second time. That so the nobleman gives the 10 servants one mina and this mina, right, being um, a, is a reflection and a representation of their whole life and ask them to care and steward, do the work with the Mina until he returns, the nobleman returns. The nobleman citizens, the citizens that are in, in this space, right, they actually hate him mm-hmm. and they ask this delegation to go to him and tell him they don't want his governing over them any longer. And so the nobleman returns. Well, when he returns, he asks his servants how they weathered during their work and business. He's like, yo, like, Give me a rundown on how it how it went down as I was going. How did it all turn out? So the first one uh, yields uh, 10 more from his one mina, right, from his one, and is told by the nobleman, well done. And because you have been faithful, he's given him authority over 10 cities. Well, the second uh, servant yields five from his one mina, and he was given five cities. Then there's this third, this third servant, and because he was afraid and saw 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 the nobleman to be harsh, he did nothing mm-hmm. with his mina mm-hmm. and placed it in a handkerchief for safekeeping. So he goes on to say, because he didn't deposit it and he didn't sow it. Because the nobleman didn't deposit it and because the nobleman didn't sow it, why should he have to reap Mm. off of that, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So the nobleman condemns the servant, calls him wicked, and because he knew how he was and didn't even place it into a bank to accrue the interest, is going to lose the one mina he has and will receive judgment. Because what Jesus is trying to make known as him signifying that he is this nobleman, he is make, he is making known the issue was not the stewardship of the work, right? The issue was revealed through the stewardship oh, of the work. Oh, snap. Okay? The issue is not the stewardship. It's, it's revealed. The issue is what is revealed through the stewardship Ooh. of the work. They did not uh. want the noble man to mm. reign over them. Mm. And mm. so Jesus sees and he knows our hearts. Because of a wrong view of him too, right? Because yes. they're like, like when I was reading this parable, I was like, why are they talking like he's harsh? Like yeah. why why even would Jesus tell this parable and sort of frame the, the quote unquote God figure that yeah. way? Yeah. But it's it does. What you're saying, you crack that right open mm-hmm. of it reveals more mm-hmm. about their hearts. They viewed him that way. They and it was a wrong view of him. And right. yet it led to ultimately their destruction. Man, oh man. Okay, so, go ahead. No, I'm just saying though, that's sort of what happens. We can often feel, and uh-huh. I'm not trying to get to too much application. I'm trying to get through and be on time. But what I'm saying <laughs> I'm is- I'm leading you astray, but <laughs> this is good. I mean, I'm just saying though, like we, when we encounter hardship yeah. and things that we don't really want to do, mm-hmm. we can look at God and think that he is doing things yeah. to harm yeah, us, to hurt us, uh-huh. or because it's hard. It's yeah. a corrective measure for us or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And yet he's doing it fully out of his love so that we can see our hearts, so that we can see our hearts. And y'all, listen, we we almost there to that 
to that part of the heart. But what we really see is that Jesus sees and knows our hearts and what is on the throne of our lives Mm -hmm. by how we reflect, how we live and use our lives Mm -hmm. in those day-to-day rhythms. Mm -hmm. So this was an invitation for us once more. Do we see Jesus? And if we see Jesus, then how will we serve him? So we're right at the pinnacle of this chapter as we're going towards Jerusalem. And we are going to these phrases of going up and coming down, which speaks to this being the inauguration of Jesus going to the cross. Mm -hmm. Jesus is near the area of Bethpage and Bethany, right? And him being the son of man and son of God knows that in the village, there will be a cult never written on and tells two disciples to go and tell the owner of the land, uh, 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 tell the owner, I'm sorry, tell the owner that the Lord has need of this never written cult. So why does this never written cult matter in in chapter 19, verses 28 through 40? Why does that matter? Because in Numbers 19, 2, it says, this is the statute of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer without defect in which there is no blemish on and on which a yoke has never come. Jesus knew the law of the Lord and his statutes. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus knew in order to inaugurate and to fulfill all of the law, that's what he had to do. He said, hey, there's a cult. Yeah over in the next town and it's near us, go and grab it because I am going to fulfill the law through this. So the disciples tell the men, tell the man in the in the ne- near ta- the next town, hey, the Lord has need of this. And so the man does so. And the disciples untie the colt and bring the colt back to Jesus in accordance to the prophetic words of Zechariah 9.9. And the disciples knew this. So I want us to go to Zechariah really, really quickly, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because, listen, when we see these words in Scripture, um, when we see these these words in Scripture in, in the New Testament, they're fulfilling Old Testament prophecy and text. Yeah. And this is what it says in Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. <laughs> The foal of a donkey. So specific. It's so specific. Jesus is fulfilling yeah. the prophetic word. And from, the disciples knew the backstory, and the, right? Ooh. So they're following suit. They're following in, in suit of this backstory. Girl, mm. girl. And that's exactly what happens. So they, the disciples throw off their cloaks onto the ground as a sign of honor, begin to worship him. And so he's coming down. Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives. And this is the inauguration in full throttle, right? Like, like what we saw as inauguration on this past, uh, what day was that? Wednesday? Mm-hmm. We ain't seen nothing. Mm-hmm. The inauguration is in full throttle with our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His disciples are praising him for what they have witnessed. They've experienced with Jesus all this time, and they are rejoicing in verse 39. Mm-hmm. In verse 39, it says, and and uh, it, it says that they're rejoicing. And then on top of that, it, they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest, right? And so for those who are able to say this, there is rejoicing, right? Mm-hmm. And though it brings joy for them, who follow, it also brings judgment for others. And so now we see uh, these others enter the Pharisees. They tell Jesus to rebuke his disciples. And Jesus says in verse 40, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is making a clear statement statement right here. We see the difference between those who rejoice at Jesus, Jesus is coming, mm-hmm. right? And what he's coming to do and mm-hmm. those who are going to reject it. Mm-hmm. So we're coming at the end of the chapter where as Jesus nears the city of Jerusalem and his embodiment of what's to come, right? We see his humanity as the son of man 
and righteous indignation as yes, the son of God. That both showing up, the son of God and the son of man. The son of the mm-hmm. son of God and the son of man. So in verses 41 through 44, we're going to see Jesus, the son of man, weeping over the city because of their unawareness uh to to know what has to be accomplished for true peace to be truly made. Mm. Okay, so Jesus is weeping over this, like we've talked about in the previous chapters where he says, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, his longing, right? And so, and now in these verses, it's hidden from their eyes. And so Jesus foretells the slaughtering of what is to come with their enemies and how it will bring great destruction by Rome, right? Rome is going to destroy these people. And so there's going to be physical and spiritual destruction, and they will not know that they have been visited by their savior already, the one whose kingdom has already come. And so Jesus is weeping over this and he's making pronouncement at the same time of what is coming down the pipelines. And then in verse 45 through 48, we see Jesus, the son of God in his righteous indignation, right? Mm. Because his house was to be a house of prayer. Isaiah uh, 56 and seven says, uh, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Y'all listen to that word, for all peoples. His house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And so I love this because at the beginning, Jesus makes his, he he makes his house with Zacchaeus. And then we're closing this chapter out where Jesus is making his house all peoples Mm -hmm. for all peoples, the Mm -hmm. nations. So who are these people that are being hindered from being in the house and praying? Y'all, it's the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that they could, that the Jews could not trade in the house while Jesus was flipping over these tables. It's not that they couldn't trade, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't that. It was the fact that there that there was a place for that, but instead of using the earmarked area, they wanted their comfort and convenience over their uh, other brothers and having access to their space of worship. Mm-hmm. And so they are referred to as robbers. Because they have stolen what ro- that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. They are they are known as they have they have been called robbers because they have stolen what rightfully belongs to the one true God mm-hmm. for the flourishing of their Gentile brothers. Mm-hmm. And so the chief priests, scribes, and principal men were wanting Jesus uh, done and destroyed, but they couldn't do it mm-hmm. because Jesus had the hearts of the people. And that's how chapter nineteen ends. Leah and I were laughing a little bit about this mm-hmm. because. We we were like, oh, we think that the most segregated time in America was Sunday service. And we like, no, the most segregated time has <laughs> always been. It's always been. At, t- at temple service. <laughs> temple o'clock. Temple o'clock. <laughs> On Saturday afternoon was the most segregated hour of the week. Gentiles had their own place. Jews had, you know what I'm saying? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I love what you kind of, where you ended, like he they could not, all of the chief priests, all yep. the scribes, like all these higher ups that wanted to really yep. press Jesus out, they could not do it they because do he it. had the hearts of the people. He drew, he was drawing in the hearts of the people and he had these crowds and they were captivated and yep. they were hungry and feeding on his words of life. Mm-hmm. And so then we come into chapter 20 in that same mode where Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's essentially confronted multiple times mm-hmm. by these three groups of hostile religious Hey ladies, we are so grateful to bring you the ministry of the Urban Christian Woman right into your headsets, your airwaves, every single week. We have seen God at work through the varying resources of the Urban Christian Woman, be it the blogs, the podcasts, the events held locally in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Currently, we are seeking to reach our giving goal of $1,500 of monthly givers to fuel God's kingdom work in the lives of urban women all across the U.S. So we would ask you to consider giving as little as $5 a month to the work of the urban Christian woman and help equip urban women with God's truth for everyday life. You can give right now by going to www.theurbanchristianwoman.com 
Thanks in advance for your investment into the lives of urban women. Then we come in in chapter 20 in that same mode where Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's essentially confronted multiple times mm-hmm. by these three groups of hostile religious elites. Right. right? So he's teaching the populace. It's, it begins that he's teaching the people in the temple yep. and he's preaching the gospel. And then you have these three groups, these chief priests, the scribes and the elders roll up on him. They roll it up. In this demanding way. Come on. Trying to get trying to get answers out of him that mm. they're not even willing to level with him. Okay, I know. so Jesus is he's surrounded by the people, and then they come up and they're trying to question. Their questioning is actually about his authority, right? Yeah. So he's been now that he's in Jerusalem, he's been at the temple, yeah. he's been in these places, he's yeah. exercised this authority by the whole uh, demonstration of turning over the tables. Yeah, and so they're de- beginning to demand about his authority, but Jesus is actually pushing back, and he's like, "Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What about?" John, mm-hmm. where was his authority coming from? Right. And and just as Jesus sort of operated as like an outsider to their accepted norms, mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons why they were challenging him. They're like, you can't be coming up in here as an outsider. Mm. But John was also an outsider. That's right. He was operating outside. And yep. so Jesus called them on that. He's like, well, what about John? Yeah. Be- because he he operated in the same way, but, the, but they knew mm-hmm. that... You know, if they said a certain thing about John, then um, then it would actually affirm yeah, it would, the authority of Jesus. It would affirm the authority of Jesus. But then That's if right. they said the other thing about John, that his authority came from man, the, the people would crowd. stone him to death. The crowd, the crowd <laughs> they would stone was, them to death. Because even John had the hearts of people. Oh, yeah. Because it what John was proclaiming yeah. was the gospel. Was the gospel. Exactly. And it, what actually exposes is even as they turn to themselves and sort of debate, like, how right. are they going to answer? Right. They are more concerned about holding the status quo than telling the truth. Right. And right. they were so strung out on people pleasing, yep. or f- either fear of people or people mm-hmm. pleasing, which I would argue is two sides of the same coin. Mm. They did not respond. And so Jesus then responds in the in that same way and says, listen. That's fast. Neither will I tell you where my authority comes from because you're not actually seeking truth. You're not. And just as it says- You're trying to indict me. Mm-hmm. And it's, as it says elsewhere in scripture, God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart. That's and it. And he, he's bringing this same sort of level with them. Listen, mm-hmm. y'all are not seeking me with your whole heart, so you will not find the truth. Yep. And yep. so then he's in that space and he begins to tell the people this parable. We have another parable coming on the scene, mm-hmm. illustrating the wickedness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So we have the man um, uh, who owns a vineyard, who planted a vineyard, mm-hmm. and then we have these tenants. So he lends it to the tenants and then he, this man goes to another country for a long while. There goes that that indeterminate amount of time yep. that we're dealing with as yep. well. Yep. And um, so these the tenants are the scribes and the other religious leaders of Israel and the servants are the prophets of old. And then eventually we see the planter's son come on the scene, which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this parable apparently really turned up the heat when he's talking about how this sort of increased hostility yes. towards the, the ones that the man who planted the vineyard send, where at first they, they send him away, and then they wounded the second one, and then the third one... Um, Finally, they have the son who comes and they're like, listen, if we kill him, then we'll have the whole vineyard to Mm ourselves." And what happens? He ultimately, the owner comes back and will destroy these tenants and give the vineyard Mm -hmm. to the others. Mm -hmm. And so when they heard this, they said, surely Surely not. not. Surely not. Girl. They were so offended. It turned up the heat. It was so offended that the people said, no, of course not. Of course not. That's not about to happen about Israel. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And in fact, Jesus says, this is exactly what's written. This and is this ex- is exactly how it's going to happen. And which is ironic because the next thing that happens is the scribes and Pharisees are incensed. And they think that they're decided that they want to get rid of him. So the moment they say, may it not Girl, be. May it not be. This is actually exactly how it's going to be. <laughs> so we're ironic. La- we're laughing because it's, it's really ironic. It's wildly ironic it's and wildly wild. true. Oh my goodness. But it's so it's it's exactly what is being referenced in the very next thing that happens. I know. And it's I was thinking about like this so like when you become so obsessed and so fixated on this one thing, you can't even see this sense or hypocrisy mm. of your very own actions. I was laughing because I was watching uh, Toy Story 4 with my kids the other day, 
And they were they were at the table afterwards like, Mom, Woody said he would leave no toy behind. But when he said that, he jumped back in the window and left Buzz behind. Because <laughs> he was so fixated on saving this other toy. And I was like, teachable moment, kids. Listen, when you get so fixated on something mm. outside of your control and trying to control it, you get blind of your own hypocrisy. You get blinded of the own ways that you're not even mm. being consistent in other areas of life. So you never know. It's Jesus. Moment, but this is exactly what shows up. They're so blind. Man. And so then also I feel like this is worth noting that Luke repeatedly wrote that all of these leaders feared the people, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got these religious leaders that aren't even religious God-fearing. They feared the people. They're supposed to be leading people to God, but they don't fear God. Mm-hmm. They fear the people. Mm-hmm. That was for free. G- honey, okay, <laughs> let me pass a plate. Girl, Listen, listen. Man. And then we go on to this element. So they're continuing to try to press him and challenge him. And Jesus continues to skillfully navigate this debate Man. by exposing their hearts. So we move on to verse 19, where the scribes and the chief priests are trying to challenge him, but they don't want to, they listen, they're like, we can't come to him. Yeah, we So can't we're actually going to send these spies to handle our beef, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they send these spies to try to ultimately trap him, entrap him Mm -hmm. by having him get entangled with government Mm -hmm. issues. And ultimately, Jesus reframes this whole accusation Mm -hmm. when they say, listen, like, you're saying that we shouldn't uh, show, give tribute to Caesar. Mm -hmm. Is that true or Mm -hmm. not? Mm -hmm. And he perceives their craftiness. He perceives their hearts. He said, who on that that coin? He Listen, who on the coin? Look, so he reframes the whole thing. He's Oof. like, listen, y'all talking about this ultimatum of who to give tribute to. And Jesus is like, listen, the coin has Caesar's imprint on it. Mm-hmm. You, who, you, ultimately he's saying, you have God's imprint on you. Mm-hmm. And so he speaks of the imprinted image of God on all of our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately he says, what? Render to God what's God's. Right. And this is sort of the crazy. Read between the lines. I know. And that's sort of what's crazy too is because he's like, listen, I'm not telling you mm-hmm. to neglect what the governing authority Absolutely. is saying, mm-hmm. but I am the Lord and everything is mine in the, the fullness there. The is the Lord's and, and the f- all that's in it. Girl, mm-hmm. come on now. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what I thought mm-hmm. about when I read this text. I was like, he's saying, it's a both end. Mm-hmm. You give you give your governing yep. authorities, they duck yep. it. Yep. And you... You make sure that you store it in all of my stuff. Yes, yes, absolutely. All my 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 kingdom. Yes, my and we'll mm-hmm, and we're actually gonna get to unpack that later. Of just like, what does it actually mean mm. that if we, the same way that the coin bore the imprint of Caesar, we made by God bear His imprint? Ooh. And so, what does that mean for our tribute? Come what on. is the tribute Ooh. that we render for our whole lives? Mm. So we are we are definitely going to get more to that later. But listen, we got more haters coming on the scene, <laughs> Jesus' way. And this time it's the Sadducees and they're talking about the resurrection. Mm. But which is wild because at first you see the very first thing that, um, that Luke says in, in verse 27 is they deny that there is a resurrection, right? So, so let me ask a question mm-hmm. just for a listener. Yes. Some listeners will be like, well, what's the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Mm-hmm. They both they both uh, not on the Lord, They're on not. King Jesus. They're not. So what's the difference They're between not. them? They literally are nitpicking over these tiny little things. Period. Okay. okay. That's it. So they like sort of like different denominations? So they're kind of like different denominations, basically. <laughs> Carry on. Where they've just decided that they deny the resurrection. So first of all, they don't even believe in the resurrection. Yet they have spent their energy crafting this elaborate situation to trap Jesus um, about the resurrection. Mercy. And so they they spin this whole elaborate tale and, mm. and this whole uh, hypothetical situation. And Jesus answers their hypothetical situation, first of all, on multiple levels, okay? Talk so they're us. talking about marriage. What happens if this person dies and that person dies and that person dies? Right. Then w- when they get to- This whole marriage thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the resurrection, which they didn't believe in, so why y'all even talking about the resurrection? Why are you talking about At it? the resurrection- 
whose whose wife or her husband will this be? And Jesus is like, okay, first of all, let's talk about marriage. Come on. Okay. Come on. Marriage isn't even a thing in heaven all like that. Okay. Because you're and this not is, gonna be bowed up in and heaven. And this is a great element to unpack because I feel like for us, especially in pop culture, there's like so much just junk, mm-hmm. so much junk food out there about what heaven's gonna be like. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got their idea or whatever. I, know. I thought about that. But here's what we need to know as faithful women and followers of Jesus. Tell us, girl. And especially if you are entering into marriage or or newly married, Tell us. like know that marriage is ultimately a shadow. The union of marriage Say it. is a shadow Say it. of our union with Christ. And that is always what it was intended to be. Don't make me preach about marriage right okay. now. Girl, girl. <laughs> because this right here is what we have to know. Marriage is not the end all. That's what it I'm is saying. meant to be a function to help us understand mm-hmm. the covenant relationship that the bride of Christ, which Come is on. the church, has with her bridegroom. Come on which is Jesus Mm -hmm. and his purification Mm -hmm. of us and our sanctification through Mm -hmm. him and Mm -hmm. our commitment and our purity Mm -hmm. to him. This is what's happening here in marriage. Mm -hmm. So once we actually have the real thing, We don't need the shadow anymore. We don't anymore. need a shadow no more. Once what? It, once you lay your eyes on the substance, the shadow is behind you, right? Come on now. Once you look to the sun, the shadow is behind. When you see the sun's face, the shadow is behind you. Come on now, woman of God. And and so he dismantles this whole argument about their about their uh, their ideas on marriage. By just saying, look, this is this is a, this is a thing of the sons of this age, but really, what we're talking about is something that is to come. Yeah. And then he says, well, now let me talk to you about the resurrection. Mm. Listen, there's no question about it. The fathers of the faith that you look up to, come on, they spoke of it mm-hmm. because when they saw, they said, this is the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, mm-hmm. and that was after Isaac and Jacob had already died. And yep. so Jesus says, listen. If, if he's mm-hmm. the God of Isaac and Jacob, mm-hmm. then he's not the God of the dead, mm-hmm. but of the living. Mm-hmm. And you know that if Isaac and Jacob, who've been passed on. Yep, yep. Verse 38. Yep. Is, is actually, they're speaking of God in relation to them. Come on. Then they live on. They live on. And then God is the God of the living. And mm. so there must be this resurrection. And so I just love how he skillfully mm. navigates. He uses what they know. Jesus is the ultimate apologist. Girl. Jesus is the ultimate apologist. Y'all the, better pick up what Jesus is putting down. The debate king. He's navigating these conversations Ooh. with skill, with knowledge, with patience, with mm. their prior knowledge, taking what they already agree on and meeting them at the place where he can really expose their hearts. There's so much to see there. There's so much to unpack there. And it's, he just does it so well. He does it, he so, does well. it so well. He's the ultimate apologist. I know there are some ladies out there who really have a skill in this. I'm not necessarily one of them. And so I just admire it so much when I see how Jesus navigates yeah. these conversations. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's just straight skills. Just straight debate skills. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to all the women apologists out here listening yes. uh, to the Urban Christian Woman. We and appreciate you. And so the you. way that he navigates it is so skillful that it, again, it leads to the scribes just wondering and marveling at Jesus, even though they don't agree. Right. They're still marveling at his mm-hmm. words, but he mm-hmm. is not done He's with not them done yet. yet. He's not done yet. What are you doing? He also, he says to the same group, mm-hmm. listen, let's also talk about who the father of the faith say that I am, mm. okay? Because he knew that um, these Sadducees were a sect that claimed to have come through yep. the dis- descendant line yep. of David. Yep. And so Jesus is actually speaking their language when he says in verses 41 through 44, yep. I, David called me Lord. Mm-hmm. Who did he say that I am? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm acknowledging your people and that your people actually call me Lord. And mm-hmm. so now I got to check on who you say I am. Mm, mm, In mm. light of that, right? who which, do you say that I which am? Which takes me back to even how we have seen him mm-hmm. in the passages throughout the book of Luke. We've mm-hmm. seen him as the son of David. Yep. We've seen him as the son of God. We've seen him as the mm-hmm. son of man. And he's coming full mm-hmm. circle, full y'all. Full circle. Full circle. Full mm. circle. Mm. Man. And so then we sort of end at this point where he warns his disciples and he warns the people about the likes of these scribes, mm. right? He warns them. He says, beware. They walk around in these long robes and they love greetings in the marketplace and the best seats in the synagogue. And yet they devour, and they also devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. And so they ultimately will receive this greater condemnation. There is this greater condemnation waiting for them. Why? Because they use religion to flaunt status, yet rob mercy. And God says it will not be. 
It will not be. And it reminds me of Micah 6, 8. Mm -hmm. What has the Lord required of you, Mm -hmm. O man, but to do justice, Mm -hmm. to love mercy, and to walk Walk humbly humbly with your God. And they are neglecting the prophetic Uh, command from Micah. Mm -hmm. And honestly, both of these chapters remind me so much of where God challenges, I believe, uh, ooh, is it Job? I don't know. I'm going to have, don't don't quote me on that. But he says, will a man rob God? Yes, ma'am. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in both of these chapters, we see this instances of like, people trying to steal from Jesus. People trying to rob God of mercy. No, it will not be. It will not be. It will not be. It will not be. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one-sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. In that nutsh- mm-hmm. in that vein, we mm-hmm. have now wrapped up chapters 19 and 20, and we see how we're called to live to live and how we see Christ in these two chapters. We see Christ is the son of man Mm -hmm. and the son of God. Jesus does not neglect his humanity. We see him as he engages with individuals in his humanity, his care, Mm -hmm. his intimacy in Mm -hmm. that. We see his his care as the son of man in human flesh through him weeping, through him weeping over uh, the, the people who will be rejected him mm-hmm. for for cheaper idols for mm-hmm. cheaper cheaper joys cheaper joys y'all mm-hmm. and Jesus is weeping we do not have a savior who cannot sympathize mm-hmm. with us mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so I'm just saying like we see him as the son of man Christ is the son of man and then yeah. we see him as the son of God yeah. right mm-hmm. we see him in his holiness we see him in his authority in chapter 20 right where yeah. where he is making known oh who who has authority no 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 I have full on authority and if you want to indict my authority you're going to be indicting yourselves which is going to bring death because these people will stone yeah, you yeah. you know and then on top of that we also see his authority uh and his glory through uh this narrative around um the work of uh marriage yeah and his mission for his bride yeah. and his authority as the groomsman, mm-hmm. right? So we see him as the son of man and the son yeah. of God. Working out that humanity and that divinity wholly and fully. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And then we also see him as the son of God fully because he is going through the lineage, right? He is tying himself almost at the end of chapter 20, mm-hmm. almost like a form of genealogy as he's calling uh, uh, Abraham, yeah. Isaac, and Jacob, yep. and then the son of David. It yep. as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's super, super dope that he's like tying, tying it the, all together. And I love too, like he's tying these loose ends of of speaking about the prophecies of yeah. how he was to come. Yeah. I mean, you just see him pulling from the Old Testament and pulling from his present, mm-hmm. uh, the prophecies being fulfilled and all mm-hmm. of these things, just tying mm-hmm. them all up. Fulfilling, fulfilling and accomplishing. Yeah, just tying it all up. Yeah, so talk to to let's let's flush this out because we see him as the son of man, the son of God. He's accomplishing, he's fulfilling what has been told from old covenant, old testament. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about these implications for us today, some yes. of these spiritual implications, Leah. Well, first of all, I have to say that it's Habakkuk, not Job. Okay. <laughs> that was bothering me. Honey, honey. I'm okay. like the Come Bible on. nerd in me is like, it's Habakkuk. Okay. So when she said that about Job, it was actually it was Habakkuk. actually Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. Strike that, edit that. Uh, <laughs> this is, and this is where we're at right now. So, um, but bless, you know, biblical literacy, okay? Praise God. Bless, bless it all. Praise God. Um, yeah. And so when we talk about the implications spiritually for these two chapters, 
I mean, we have to know that when we look at these religious elites, right, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Mm -hmm. they're not actually seeking truth. They're not actually seeking revelation. They're seeking a scandal and an argument. Mm. And and so ultimately, if we aren't seeking revelation and truth when we approach God's word, but rather some type of argument with God about what we deserve and what we think we own, Mm. then revelation will not be given to us. I mean, we... God desires that we come to him with a humble heart. Mm. And and for those who oppose him with a proud heart, listen, what does he say? He opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. Yeah. That's it. And so let this be an instruction to our hearts that that those that approach, and we see this too, right? We see this with Zacchaeus. Right. Those who approach God with a humble heart Mm. receive salvation. They receive grace. They receive their spiritual inheritance. And yet those who come with a proud heart are rejected even for the answers that they seek. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it and they will be condemned as they seek the answer. Yeah, yeah. And so we just, yeah, we we want to position ourselves mm-hmm. in places of just mercy and mm-hmm. humility, where we would mm-hmm. be able to receive what we um, what we ask from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really about the posture of our hearts. And then, secondly, if we render to God what is God's then what are we actually rendering to him? Everything. Mm -hmm. Like we said, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And Mm -hmm. so what can we truly keep from him? Mm -hmm. I mean, ladies, this is something that we can wrestle with. Like if we're actually committed, dedicating to render to God what is God's, to obey his word when he commands us, then what can we actually keep back from him? Nothing. Nothing. Um, What is that that, uh, quote from uh, Kuiper? There is not... Oh, not one inch of the earth that of which the Lord does not say, mine, it is mine. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that made me yes. think of. I yes. know you will remember it. Yes. You have such a great memory. You jogged it because I was like, who's, what? <laughs> yes, yes. Bring it back though. That's good. So, yeah. so, so those implications spiritually, it, in regards to implications personally, I think one of the huge things that we can see from uh, chapter 19 as well as chapter 20 that Jesus is really trying to highlight for us is the mark of the believer is Jesus's reign Mm -hmm. in their life. If he is saying that everything belongs to him, all of it is his, everything that's within it, then that means that the mark upon us should be that Jesus reigns in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so is Jesus reigning in your heart and over your life? Is he on the throne? Just mm-hmm. like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. I feel is, like Zacchaeus is our MVP. Oh my goodness. Because he's just culminating everything that's true about these two chapters. I know. He's, he, he's humbly coming to the Lord. He's surrendering everything yes. he has to him. He's submitting to the Lordship by responding. I know. I mean... He's responding and not just responding, girl. Mm -hmm. He's actually actively repairing and restoring. Mm -hmm. And that is so hard, I believe, for us as Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. believers. When we take this posture of repentance, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's it's one thing to just repent, Mm -hmm. but we have to repent and we should desire yeah, to repair to it to because the mm-hmm. goal of the gospel is for us to unite our hearts with Christ mm-hmm. and to unite ourselves with another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it what what is it for us that like because I'm <sighs> like I'm like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you gotta stop right there because I hear what you're saying and I'm like. What is it about us that we were, are willing to, even those of us who walk humbly with the Lord, we're willing to sort of seek forgiveness when we've wronged someone, but maybe maybe hesitate to take that next step of actually asking for repair and restoration, mm-hmm. like asking, how can I how can I make this right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that, I mean, I'm, a, I'm asking for my own self. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know if it's a cultural barrier or what, but. Well, I don't even know. I, I think it's the next layer of us doing the spiritual work of yeah. growing up into the faith. Hmm. If we we should be maturing in the faith, Ephesians four mm-hmm. talks about us maturing mm-hmm. in the faith, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, the first step 
is repentance. Mm-hmm. But there's another step after that. Mm-hmm. If we're seeking to mature, it's it's repentance, then it's repair and restoration, mm-hmm. and then it's reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is a real example of yeah. God. If if you are a professing believer in Jesus, he's saying the next step for you in me reigning over your life is not just repenting. It's going back and repairing and making things right. Restoration mm-hmm. so that there is true reconciliation mm-hmm. um, for the glory of my name. And I also want to say this because I don't take it lightly that everybody on this podcast is listening and is a believer. If you are not a believer, the question is, will you invite Jesus to reign over your life? Mm -hmm. Take the first step. And it starts with repentance by faith. Mm. And he, 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 he lovingly is calling you. If you're, he's longing and inviting you to allow him to reign in your heart yeah. and over your life just like Zacchaeus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good word and a great invitation. So mm. I'm, I'm thankful that we don't have to rush past that and leave space for that mm-hmm. um, before we move on to these last, this last set of implications mm-hmm. um, socially and culturally. And as we wrestle just through the end of these two chapters, we have to ask ourselves, are we leveraging our whole life all of the resources, all of the resources that God has given us for the kingdom of God. And on top of that, are we willing to see ourselves and others as bearing the imprint of God, therefore God's, period, his property, his his belonging, Mm. his treasured possession. Mm. So we, when we think about, I mean, just the way that, like we saw our MVP, leveraging his resources, once he came to faith, leveraging his resources for the advancement of the kingdom of God to, to bless the poor, mm. okay, to elevate mm. the poor through Come his on. resources. Come on. And then see, and then we reflect on that model, and then we reflect on the fact that that we are told that we are imprinted with the Im- the very image of mm-hmm. God. Therefore, we belong to God, mm-hmm. and are we truly leveraging not only our resources but all of ourselves as if all of it truly does belong to God? Truly, mm. you know. Yeah. Even as you were saying this, Leah. Um, one of the things that I I am going to do as just a practical step towards this, I'm yeah. like, man, what are the what do I have? What are the resources that I have? I'm not talking about just financially. What are the resources mm-hmm. that I have? And write a list out and really just spend some time with the Lord in regards to how am I leveraging that mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God? Am I leveraging that? Am I, first of all. Am I how? leveraging mm-hmm. that? And if I'm not leveraging that, what does it look like in this season mm-hmm. to leverage that? Mm-hmm. I know some of us are, are moms and we're at home with little ones. Mm-hmm. Everybody is at home in a global pandemic. It's not, but w- what is a simple way that you can leverage whatever that God has mm-hmm. given you mm-hmm. um, as resources for your in your whole life yeah. for the kingdom of yeah. God. And truly bear and truly bear that imprint. Yeah, bear mm-hmm. the imprint. Mm-hmm. 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 That's great. Well, will you pray for us to that end? Oh, Father, we just um, bask in your presence. And we thank you, Father, for the truth of your word that reveals the condition of our heart and sets us free. Thank you, Jesus, for your invitation over and over. Thank you for how you called us by name, just like Zacchaeus. Father, thank you that we can learn from Zacchaeus that repentance is the first step. It's just the beginning to see you and repent. But you're inviting us to so much more so much more to repair and restore and to be reconciled with you whole completely for the glory of your name. Father, forgive us for the ways in which we exchange cheaper joys for the benefit of our good. Father, forgive us for when we seek to be on the throne of our very lives and we seek to 
uh, comfort and be convenient within ourselves for our own good, for our own flourishing. God, whether it's through our resources or whether it's through our relationships or whether it's just uh, through our, our time, even with just you and you alone, forgive us, God. And then, Father, I pray, I pray, Lord God, that you would allow our hearts to break for the ways in which we may be operating in a pharisaical posture. Father, for the ways in which we, uh, Father, are, are trying to justify ourselves. And you, as the great apologist, are calling us to truth. Father, forgive us for that and turn us Take the scales off of our eyes, convict our hearts, transform our hearts, and God, may our lives be changed day by day, moment by moment. Father, I pray for the sister who does not know you as reigning king over her life. Father, I pray, God, would you uh, uh, give her the strength through the power of your son, Jesus, and through your spirit to yield and wave the flag of surrender to reign over her life and through her life. Father, I pray for the sister who is being comfortable and pursuing convenience over the mission and the kingdom and leveraging all that she has for the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that she would wave the white flag of surrender and yield God. Father, we thank you for the word of God that, that, that changes us and transforms us, God. I pray, God, that you would continue to allow this word to go deep into the fabric of our very being. God, would you water it? God, would you bring fruit and harvest from it? And Father, may we, may we lock arms with the, uh, another, Lord, to be your hands and your feet, God. May we, may we live out the prophetic word of Micah. And what does the Lord require of you, oh, oh, oh woman, that you would do justice, that you would love mercy, and that you would walk humbly with your God. Father, we pray that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed day, ladies. Bye, ladies.